With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? It's Harrison Phillips here, and you're listening to Nate and the Fellows on the Circle the Wagons podcast on Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Go Bills, baby. Welcome to the Circling the Wagons podcast, a podcast discussing the Bills all year round with interviews, news, recaps, and insightful fan discussion. Most times. Here's your host and lifelong Bills fan, Nate. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Circling the Wagons, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us on this Memorial Day weekend. I hope you guys are all enjoying yourself, staying safe. And a uh, quick shout out to all the military personnel out there that are listening to this podcast. Um, had several listeners over the years email us from either serving, on tour, active duty, or back at home. Um, just want to say we all appreciate all that you do for our country. Um, and obviously this, this day uh, in particular, this holiday, if you will, is celebrated for all those whose lives have been lost. Um, you know, going back to uh, obviously the the uh, Revolutionary War, which you don't think about that often, but all the people that died then for each war leading up to that, and uh, just all that, so that we can do a podcast about the Buffalo Bills is what it comes down to. <laughs> all these things and all these freedoms and stuff like that. So we thank everyone for doing that. Uh, my father was a uh, veteran of Vietnam, so um, he's told me stories, which we can go into later if you want to. Uh, uh, Nick, maybe we can go into some stories that he has about that that, that aren't super happy, but they're interesting and uh, and kind of put things in perspective. But I'll welcome in my co-host for uh, this this episode. Uh, you've heard him every single podcast in the beginning, at the end of every podcast. You've heard him in between. He's come on with us several times to talk Buffalo Bills, and that is our good friend, voiceover Nick. Nick. Hello. 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 <laughs> How's it going, man? It's good to talk to you. It's going really nicely. It's been a long time. I know that uh, you barred me from participating in any episodes with an active game that might be occurring. So it's good to, you know, rejoin the off season fury. The last time we had you on, I believe, well, so you were on for the Christmas episode where you did this, the amazing Christmas bills, but it was the night before, um, Playoffs. Playoffs, yes. Uh, which, oddly enough, so we've had, so let's let's say we've had maybe 300 reviews on Apple Podcasts. You've been on probably six or seven podcasts. Two specific reviews have been about you and the job that you've done on this podcast. So that's pretty impressive. And one of them referenced the epic poem 
of Twas the Night Before the Playoffs, where you talked about, you know, Twas the Night Before the Playoffs and all through One Bill's Drive or Orchard Park. It was amazing. It was it was awesome. And somebody read that. It might have been you. You might have been the one that left the review on Apple Podcasts, but it was amazing. And that's that's why I wanted to have you on, man. Peak off season. Well, I'm, for- I'm fortunate to have a lot of anonymous email addresses that I can... <laughs> you know create my own myth <laughs> it was uh i believe the 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 person the username was voiceover nick 716 i believe i can't remember for sure <laughs> yeah it's great because all you have to do is just iterate that number by one every once in a while and you you can whole new review <laughs> great well thank you for coming on nick we're going to discuss uh, several different topics um that i'm sure will delve into other issues just organically or other um, items organically. Uh, we wanted to talk about the embedded episode that came out just recently put on by Buffalo Bills, uh, the media group over there at Pagula Sports and Entertainment um, that talked about Greg Rousseau and the draft night. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the new stadium study for the Pagulas that's going on right now. We have some thoughts on that. And we're also going to talk about vaccinations for the Buffalo Bills and uh, the players there. Uh, Josh Allen's thoughts on that or lack thereof and uh, our own thoughts on that. So it's going to be an interesting discussion for today's peak offseason podcast, which is why I have Nick on because it's peak offseason. <laughs> so Nick, let's go right into the last embedded episode. Now I had you on a couple of years ago. We actually had uh, Michelle Girardi Zumwalt, the uh, executive producer, director of uh, the Embedded series from like two or three years ago and, and on from that. She she started off in uh, NFL films. She was doing Hard Knocks. Uh, she brings such a cool uh, uh, method of production for these this series. Um, a few years ago when you and I talked, they were uh, nice enough to give us a preview of the first three episodes of the embedded series. Now they've kind of done like one-offs here and there uh, when they get them done. And last year they did it in the draft and this year they did it in the draft. And it's kind of a cool uh, series that they've done. And uh, Nick, you're a big fan of hard knocks and stuff like that. I'm sure you see, uh, as you mentioned before, you see some similarities between the production level. I mean, before we go into the actual episode itself, I mean, in general, I mean, are you a fan of the production and what Buffalo Bills puts, what the Buffalo Bills, you know, in Pagula Sports Media put out every year around this time for for the draft, or or what you see in general as as a Bills fan or as someone as a as a as a critic. Yeah, I mean, as a Bills fan, of course, I mean, it's always cool to see what's going on behind the scenes, and that's why that's why we all love you know the Hard Knocks or the All for Nothing that's on Amazon or all those different types of shows. But the nice thing about the Bills one is they they don't feel constrained by the the series premise of you know hard knocks is only going to follow a team through camp and they're going to do that pretty much the same way every year whereas the embedded series can go anywhere and everywhere behind the scenes with the bills and that's kind of the cool thing about it you really get to see some of the players a little bit more on the personal side uh you get to see different aspects of things Uh, yes the draft has been covered a couple of times but uh you know various aspects of the season too so it's it's kind of cool to see that they continue to do it i think i think this year was really interesting, you know, with the limitations that they've had with the the pandemic and, and, and those aspects that must be super challenging. Uh, but, uh, but they definitely came out with a nice, you know, I think it's like 20, 25 minutes of, of, of kind of cool behind the scenes material for the bills that, you know, we all love. 
Yeah, and if and if I I have to say this up front, if you haven't seen it, it's on YouTube. Just search Buffalo Bills Embedded. Um, you can find it on on their Facebook page, I believe, on Twitter also or social media or whatever. So you can watch this episode as well. But we're going to discuss it, and it, and for the most part, it just basically takes place during the draft this past season. And they discuss uh, a lot of different things um, into it. We're, we're going to get into, but um, first things first. They discuss the pick of Greg Rousseau and basically their thought behind it, the the discussions with uh, assistant general manager Joe Shane and former uh, vice president player personnel Dan Morgan. Um, they discuss like the behind the scenes. They show Eric Washington, the um, defensive line coach, uh, discussing you know his thoughts with Greg Rousseau on a on a Zoom call. Um, they go over a lot of things with with Greg Rousseau, the the Bills' first round pick, the defensive end out of Miami, and they discuss you know that in depth, which was really cool to see um, when they were drafting. Uh, it they definitely show these players as especially the ones that they show in depth, like they were meant to be for the Buffalo Bills. Like there's no question. Like they they don't they never talk about like three other people that they'd rather have over the person they actually drafted. They show that guy like Greg Rousseau was the guy that they were going to pick. And he was their top, uh, you know, and it was top magic player. that he fell to that place. And, uh, and, everything. and, you know, whether that be the, the quote unquote narrative or the way it actually happened, I don't care. That's the way it's happened for me. That's the way I'm going to believe it going forward as I watch him and in, in training camp. And, and hopefully when he gets on the field in, in the regular season. So, uh, I mean, there is a little bit of that, and then they follow them as they visit the Bills for the first time, which is kind of cool because you're seeing the, the amenities through their eyes for the first time and, and uh, seeing just how warmly everyone is welcomed and, and just kind of that Bills mentality that, that uh, you know, we love to kind of be a part of. Yeah, and, and they showed a, one picture early on where uh, Greg Rousseau was right next to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott after he got drafted. And he's just like a mountain of a man, like yes. just absolutely like he doesn't belong there. Like it's almost like he was photoshopped in how much taller he is than Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, which they're not like tall guys, but they're probably like average height. Right. But you got a guy that's six foot seven, you know, 260 pounds or whatever. And versus, you know, a guy that's like five foot 10. Like it's just, it's just unbelievable. Um, I, I want to say I was, I was, really impressed with it made me more confident in the pick in general because their logic involved with picking him made sense and if you think about it like and Nick I don't know how much you follow the draft I know what what I follow the draft is the people who I interview that know a lot more than I do so I kind of go off what they say because I don't watch a lot of college football I don't watch a lot of tape I, I don't watch any tape I should just say I don't watch any tape so I'm watching Greg Rousseau. Um, I'm watching highlights of him. He had a, a 19 sack season, I believe, uh, two years ago. And then this last se uh, season, he obviously opted out. But, um, you know, you think about the player in general, he's got the size, um, he's got the strength, he's big, he's raw, but he's also had college production. So you're not completely projecting how good he is because he had 19 sacks. I mean, that doesn't just happen by accident. Um, I, after seeing this and, and their logic, like I always liked the pick, but I feel like I liked the pick a little bit more after, uh, seeing him talk more after seeing his discussion with Eric Washington, the defensive line coach, I just kind of got a, a better feel for it. I know that's Pagula sports and entertainment and media 
they're doing, but I felt a little bit better after that pick. What did you think after you saw that and they kind of go through their logic in picking in picking him? Oh, I love it. I mean, I, I'm not a college watcher myself either, so I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat in terms of, you know, whoever they pick, I guess I agree. Uh, you know, pundits could have their opinions one way or the other in terms of this or that. But seeing what, what goes on behind the scenes and why they picked him, it all makes sense. Uh, you know, he looks like one of those guys. I mean, think about Josh Allen and, and the comments that were made about Josh Allen about being raw and, you know, all the same things in terms of, okay, so maybe, maybe his first year might be a learning curve, but, uh, hopefully we'll expect some, some strong things out of him, you know, you know, after he gets his feet wet and starts to, to really understand what's going on. Josh Allen is the ultimate projection at quarterback because I was talking with a friend over the weekend and he was talking about other quarterbacks that were drafted and he was a Washington football team fan. And I was like, Oh, who's a quarterback at Washington? I have no idea who it is. We were talking about that and we were mentioning Josh Allen. I was like, Josh Allen was the ultimate projection because he did better in the NFL than he did in college. Isn't that crazy? Normally like these guys just blow up in college and you're like, okay, let's see if they can produce at the next level. Like Josh had like pretty good, college statistics but he didn't have like as he didn't have like a Heisman level um college season like he had an MVP level season in the NFL like normally guys ball out in college and then they project to the NFL and they do great in the NFL normally it's not like they do pretty good and then they just blow up in the NFL you know what I mean yeah but I think I think that's kind of goes back to what we love about what the bills have been doing lately with this regime, which is they're they're drafting the man they're not drafting the uh, the stats from their senior year of college you know they they drafted a guy who opted out because he wanted to make sure that his mom was going to be okay, but at the same token, he kept working throughout that entire time frame so they're evaluating all these things in terms of you look at Josh Allen he's a guy who's working to try to be better. He's constantly trying to be better. Same thing here. So I feel like you're, you're drafting that overall person as opposed to just being a, you know, a, a money ball player looking at the stats and, mm-hmm. and saying, Oh, well he did this in college. Well, you know, college and NFL are two different things. So you can't always go by that. You got to go by these other things. And I think that's what we've grown to love about the bills in terms of a team that they, they do put their, put their faith and trust behind some people that you're just like, okay, well, this could be good. (laughs) I I think it's always interesting how the Buffalo Bills, I mean, they did this a couple of years ago when the Bills picked Cody Ford in the second round, like just hoping that they fell to them. Like, um, excuse me, the next pick, the the Carlos Basham Jr. pick um, in the second round, the Bills had this uh, trade already, uh, figured out with a team that was lower than them, they were going to take the Bills pick and the Bills were going to get some picks back in return. And then at the last second, they're like, oh, our guy, Carlos is there. Like Basham is there. So the Bills, after the first round, after drafting defensive end Gregory Rousseau from Miami, they drafted another defensive end in Carlos Basham Jr. Um, out of Wake Forest. And what was interesting about that is – um, they did the same thing for Cody Ford. They were hoping he fell to him. They're just like, man, if, if he falls to us, you know, we're going to be, uh, these other players are picking ahead of him. Like, oh, they're going to pick this guy. Oh, they didn't, you know, they ended up pick, we ended up getting the guy that we wanted. What's funny is we have no idea how these guys are going to project in the NFL. Like, <laughs> so we're seeing the process, but you know, with the Cody Ford thing so far, it hasn't really worked out, even though they were really hoping that he fell to them. <laughs> So it'll be interesting. I know the series is only meant to be in the moment, 
but it would be interesting to go back to these series and see these players. Like, remember a couple of years ago when you and I did our review of uh, of Embedded, they were all about David Sills for their undrafted wide receiver. Like, they went out of their way to, like, sign him as an undrafted wide And the guy is like, I don't even know if he's in the NFL anymore. <laughs> so it's just kind of well, funny I- to see this. I took I took a little something different away from from the whole episode, other than just liking to see the behind the scenes and seeing what's going on from that perspective. I mean, you're you're digging in the deep of like, oh, should we have uh, got this guy or this guy? To me, I'm going, oh, it's so nice they get to be in the same room together and they're they're having a great time because they get to to be together and do this thing that uh, that they're doing. And and you know who the real winner was in this whole thing? Do you have a do you have a guess? Um. The real winner was the Bills front office for not having to be in their own basements for the draft. The real winner was Kim's cookies. <laughs> of course. How did I not mention Kim's amazing baking skills? <laughs> I mean, they were clearly the big winner of, of all of all of that. And then it was a delight to see. <laughs> Dude, like Kim Pagula, at least on the Bills side of football, I won't mention the Sabres side because all I see is from on Twitter. But like on the Bills side of the ball, she's like the team mom, right? That like brings like the cookies to, to, to class. Like she's baking for the team in the front office. And it's just like, like, I kind of dig that. Like, do you like, I oh, mean, I know, I know you're and, joking. But the thing but... Is, she's not just dropping the cookies off. She actually knows what's going on. Mm, true. You know, it's, she's, she's doing that and she knows what's going on. So that's the kind of cool part about, about all that. And it's just, it just, I believe it goes back to the, you know, that team mentality of, of this is the culture of, of what the bills are of you're going to get some nice cookies from the owner as you're, you're doing this thing. That's a major, a, a major part of the year. So it, it just is really nice to see, uh, you know, I don't know if other owners do it or other, other teams do that sort of thing, but it just goes to show that mentality that goes into where they're coming from and, and what they want the culture to be and, uh, and, and showing by doing. You brought up a great point because that those small things, as far as culture goes, goes such a long way. Like those small things about Kim baking cookies, or you know, uh, a phone call from Terry Pagula. Like these small things of you matter to us, you're important to us, you're part of us now. Like we will help you succeed. From the surface, if you've never seen it before, you're just like, yeah, that's what everyone says, but. Not everyone follows through with it. And as far as the Buffalo Bills are concerned, you know, the culture that they've created, I feel like it can't be understated. And I know I've mentioned it several times on this podcast, but I mean, Nick, you know, you and I have worked at several different places now by this time in our in our lives and our career. I mean, the people that try to make you a priority as far as they're like, Nick, you matter to us, you got you know, the things that you do are of importance. You help make this company run like that matters sometimes more. I won't say more than money, but sometimes it's, it's, it's important to to hear that stuff every once in a while. You know what I mean? Like just that, that you matter and that this, this, this organization cares about you. And you're dancing a little bit close to my wheelhouse uh, because you know, this is the area that I, that I know, but no, I see it all over the place with various companies. And it is, it does come down to, you know, it's good that you have different benefits and perks, but at the, at the end of the day, am I valued? And am I a part of the team? And we've seen it and well, whether we've seen it or heard about it, you know, I think one of the things we've heard is the first person that these guys hear from is they get a text message from Josh Allen 
and uh, are welcomed by him as well as 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 Kim and and other people. So you, so they're immediately being reached out to and being welcomed into the into the quote unquote family in uh, the family of the Buffalo Bills. So I, I think it's something that's important, and I think that's part of the process. I think it's uh, you know one of the great things that we've seen as uh, as we've seen this regime move forward. Yeah. I mean, on a personal note, like I just recently changed jobs and obviously, you know, this Nick being my friend, but like, uh, I mean, I remember, you know, working like a lot of hours and in, in when people would mention this to you, uh, like, like, thanks for putting in those hours. Like, thanks for going above and beyond. Like, it's such a small thing, like in the grand scheme of things, it's such a small acknowledgement, but to you, at least for me, um, that acknowledgement means so much more than uh, than a lot of things that you know you could do benefits wise or money wise. Um, just that acknowledgement that yeah, that's part of the culture. And um, I mean, it goes to job, job to job. I mean, it goes to I'm sure you know uh, friendships to friendships, you know, family to family. Like it is all part of that. So um, I got to ask you. I know you're a huge Marvel fan. Um, you love Marvel movies. How do you feel about Greg Rousseau's? nickname being Groot. It's fitting. <laughs> I mean, he really does look like Groot, especially in that picture you were talking about where he just lords over them. And, uh, you know, if he can play like Groot, then we've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> I think like, uh, I thought about that earlier and they show pictures of Groot, you know, compared to like Greg. Rousseau. It's like a perfect. Image. Like even his haircut right his now haircut is, is like, <laughs> Similar to Groot. He seems like a happy-go-lucky guy like Groot is for the most part, you know? Um, so, I mean, spoiler alert, in the first Guardians of the Galaxy, it ends a certain way, but, um, like, if the Bills ever, like, could you imagine the Bills going to the Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl based on, like, Greg Rousseau sacking the opposing quarterback, and it's like the end of the first Guardians movie where he protects everyone and he like develops in the the after conference. He just goes, we are, we are Groot. Yes, (laughs) we are Groot. That's like, that's a, yeah. Yeah. I've already, um, just, you know, 26 shirts. I've already copyrighted that, uh, that, uh, t-shirt in the future of, uh, Greg Rousseau. Well, he would definitely move up, uh, the ranks of my favorite bills players. If, if he really did that, (laughs) (laughs) I hope he'd be towards the top. If that's the case. Um, oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what was interesting is he, so they go over all the picks, obviously, um, which was really cool uh, to kind of see their insight. But I don't know if you noticed this, Nick, but in the war room, which was kind of cool, the fact that it was act- they were actually together for once because last year obviously it was all it was all independent. Um, they blurred out all of the screens within um, the war room, <laughs> and the reason. Why that is, is because um, a couple of years ago, um, Ryan Talbot of NewYorkUpstate.com somehow got a screenshot of the Bills' needs. So like all around these these monitors, they have like each team's needs, right? So it was New Orleans Saints picking out of them or whatever. And then one of the screens had the Buffalo Bills' needs a couple of years ago. So you knew exactly like the top eight needs for the Buffalo Bills that season. So you got kind of an insight of like, because we all just assume, like, okay, what do you think that, like, going into this season, okay, the Bills need offensive end, they need offensive line help, or what a cornerback CB2. Like, you got to feel for what they actually valued. And this year, they completely blurred them out, all, every single monitor. And uh, I thought that was, I mean, 
I, I just thought that was pretty cool. It was a shout out to Ryan Talbot. He's come on the podcast before. Cool dude. And, uh, and he pulled that out before. And I'm like, yeah, that's why they do it. Because when people finally crack the code, um, they have to adjust. So, and that's, and that's part of the reason why we don't see a lot of this with other teams either, because they don't want that access to be had or accidental information to be released. Uh, so it's smart for them to blur that out and, you know, retain the trust of, of, of the behind the scenes that they are giving. Yeah, so like you mentioned earlier about how how much you like the style that um you know the the folks over at buffalobills.com do this series. I love the series. I think it's like it's always got such cool um just great production value for for what it is. I mean, it's just 20 minute episode, but you can tell how many hours went into like the the production of the of the music, the cuts, like the the views. I'm I'm such a homer. I I try to not be a homer when it comes to discussing the bills, but I'm a homer when it comes to these bills embedded productions. And I would recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen that. Is there anything else that you want to add to this discussion before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, no, I love them too. And, and, uh, and I love the, I hope in, you know, in the future, as, as we turn the corner on this pandemic stuff, that we'll get some more interesting things that, uh, you know, branch out from some of the things that they've already done and, and show us some, some other aspects, because I think that's probably what their goals are. Uh, but with the limitations, I'm, I'm sure they couldn't. And, uh, and I actually tweeted out when it came out, people should take a look at it. And so it was really cool to have, uh, uh, you know, Michelle Girardi's Zumwalt, you know, fa- you know, like my tweet, uh, which, you know, I don't have, any sort of presence on the internet so that was kind of cool uh to see so see and you didn't even you didn't even tag her in it it wasn't like you tagged her specifically or like even the buffalo bills organization you just wrote literally like buffalo bills embedded was a good a good watch or whatever i might have hashtag bills i'd have to i'd have to check that but uh but it was just kind of like oh wow that's really cool (laughs) i remember you showed me that i'm like that is cool like she's like i mentioned we had her on before super cool very, very fun to talk to. So, um, her and her crew over there did an amazing job. So, yeah, um, keep it up, keep it up. I, I hope they do one man for training camp this year. That would be awesome. Um, I feel like we missed that a lot last season. So, um, looking forward to that and, uh, and getting more, more, uh, more, especially the where they show the players more on an individual level. And they did this a little bit with Greg Rousseau. Um, they talked with him, they showed some behind the scenes footage of him talking to players and the Pagulas and Sean and, and Brandon. And um, I remember they did that a few years ago with Tredavious White and his girlfriend and their child. And like, you just get an idea for these guys behind the scenes and, and how they are. And it's so cool, like to get that kind of access that you don't get on a normal basis. Because I mean, if, if, if they're being interviewed after, a game in the locker room. They're not going to be like, Oh yeah, you know, coach McDermott says he loves me very much. And you know, you know, this access is just, it's so cool to see, especially for guys like you and I, that are huge fans in general. Um, just to get that kind of personal connection with these players is really cool. Definitely. So let's talk about, uh, the next topic, which is the new stadium study for the Buffalo bills. And this is a quote actually from the Buffalo Bills organization saying that the representatives from Pagula Sports and Entertainment met earlier today with officials from New York State in Erie County at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park. Highmark Stadium. So anyway. It's rough. It's it's, It's rough. It's it's, – it's not a high mark. Um, I will say that. It's, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So the objective of... You can bet your tushy on that. 
<laughs> that was actually the low mark of the podcast, me talking about the high mark stadium. The <laughs> They also write, they continue, the objective of the meeting was to outline a plan based on the independent study the organization conducted with regard to future stadium and arena project projects in Western New York. Scott Zolke, a partner in the firm, blah, 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 presented today, will lead all the efforts on the project moving forward. So again, I mean, I feel like they do this either every year or every other year <coughs> where they talk about adding what they would do for a new stadium. The NFL always tells them, you need to update your stadium, you need to get a new one. And the Pagulars are like, no, <laughs> why would I want to spend that much? I just bought you know, a $1.5 billion franchise. Why would I want to spend another... I don't know, $1 billion on a new stadium. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. Nick, do you care? I, I put this this out on a poll on, on uh, Twitter, but do you care what the Bills design is moving forward if they move locations or whatever, or if they go from having a regular stadium to a dome or a retractable roof or anything like that? I'm of a couple of different points of view on this because I think there's, there's merits to both, both sides of that. So if you look at the dome aspect, um, not as huge a fan of that, but the bright side of a dome is you could do some winter types of activities that they could, you know, rent out whatever to do, like, uh, concerts or whatever they want to do. Uh, so that's something that's kind of nice. You have the use of, of it in the winter. Wait, wait, now, wait, real quick, real quick. They, they could use it for a Super Bowl too in the future. So it could be used for that. I mean, it could host one because it's a dome. Like Detroit gets Super Bowls. Like the the Vikings get Super Bowls. Like you know those those places because they're even in their they're in the north because they have a dome. They get Super Bowls anyway. Go ahead. No, you. Yes, you're ahead of me a little bit. Oh, sorry. Jeez. Uh, because you know with today's technology and engineering, uh, you can have a retractable type of a type of a, a roof. Of which case, then you would have the best of both worlds in terms of, of you would be able to do things in the winter. You'd be able to host a Super Bowl. Uh, you would be able to do a lot of those different aspects. I guess the thing that I, I wonder about, I don't know if I'm worried about, but I wonder about is the, the mystique of playing at the Bills home stadium. You know, especially when you start to get later in the season to where the, the cold might be an issue. The wind is, is usually an issue, whether it be warm or cold. And that teams have to come up to our level to be able to play that. And uh, I think Josh Allen himself said the reason that he's in Buffalo is because he can throw through the wind. You know, he's got that arm strength. He's got that ability to be able to take advantage of being able to produce in those in those types of of conditions. Whereas other teams coming up that are used to domes or used to warmer weather are taken aback and possibly put at a little bit of a disadvantage. So it's like, do you want to give away that, you know, Western New York, Northern mentality of, you know, we're going to go to the game if it's 20 below zero or, or not. And uh, the team is going to excel that way, no matter what, or, or do we just go, okay, yeah, let's just play indoors because it's, uh, it's chilly out. Uh, so I'm a little bit of a two minds from that perspective. You know, I, uh, I like the idea of having the advantage in the winter time. I remember listening to an interview with Steve Tasker on Jim Rome where uh, Tasker was – Rome asked Tasker about, you know, what's it like to play in Buffalo in the winter time because you guys are going to be hosting a playoff game. And he said, I've done it both ways. I've done it where you go to Miami in December. He's like, you get off the airplane, you're like, oh, this is nice. He's like – if you're not from Buffalo and you get off the airplane in December or January at this point, 
He's like, you're just like, like, what did I, what am I getting myself into? So mentally, like it, it's an advantage to be Buffalo and have that winter weather. So I'm, I'm team retractable roof because you get the best of both worlds. If you so choose, um, you, maybe it's, maybe it's cold, but it's rainy. So that's not good for your pass game, right? Right. So if it's like a, you know, a a snowstorm to end all snowstorms or, you know, just some sort of aspect to where putting the roof closed makes sense. Great. Leave the doors open. So it's still cold, but, uh, you could, you could put the roof up. But I think, I think to have that choice, uh, is at least the bare minimum of what they should be looking for is having a a retractable. I can't imagine they would go with an open stadium Mm. plan if they're going to build a new stadium. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I'm curious if they would, because it's cheaper, right? Like, so if you're looking money wise, it's cheaper, but it's useless in the winter. You can't have right. the university of Buffalo prom or whatever they do. I don't know. There's <laughs> different events that can go on. I went throughout to the, the course of the winter. I went to the university of Buffalo and I was never once asked to the prom. So I hope there isn't a prom going on there. Okay. Or else I feel like I would have missed out on four years of proms. <laughs> this is going to take some deeper discussion, <laughs> but uh... it, it, but I also never asked anyone too. So you know, you, if you miss one hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Michael Scott. Michael Scott, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a good. That's a great point. If you're gonna that investment to make so if if your retractable roof, as you and I both know, that's the most expensive option to have the ability to do both because it's moving parts. Whenever you add moving parts to a stadium or anything of that size, it's always more expensive than just So a, we need a two proms in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're right. I mean it could be like the the cost the cost of that is something that they need to look at, but it's just, you know yeah, I don't know. I, it just would seem rough if Teams were come to Buffalo and play in 70 degree, no wind, domed weather. It would just feel cheap. I think, I think it would be for not only what you're saying, the ability to do concerts in the winter or in the months that aren't the exact summer like they have. I mean, that's huge. I mean, Buffalo, I mean, it's the second biggest city in New York State. Like, if you're going to get, you know, 30, 40,000 fans to a concert, a big concert, that's a place to do it. So I, I love that idea. I love what you just mentioned there, the ability to use it. I mean, you could use it for like a UB graduation or whatever, all these small events, um, you know, like state football tournament, you know, that could happen there. Um, Don't forget all the primetime games that we're going to have to prepare for because, you know, we're in a, we, we've got a dynasty situation that's, uh, that's butting its head that, that uh, will need, need the good cameras. <laughs> I love the idea of what you mentioned before about, um, the ability of having a competitive advantage in any way. If you look at the weather forecast, you can decide that day if you want to have the dome open. Like I mean, what's can do? Like you mentioned, like Josh Allen can throw through the winds. The Bills are a passing team at this point in you know in uh, in their structure. So um, you have even if it's windy out or even if it's cold out, you can still throw the ball. Now, like I mentioned earlier, if it's rainy out, maybe you don't want to have that dome open because it's more likely a player might drop the ball or whatever. So um, I'm team. I we traded Zay Jones. <laughs> yeah. that was. I'm sorry. I apologize to Zay. I like him. It was just easy. It was there. What, what, I mean, it's whatever. It's Zay's gone. He's, he is what he is. Um, I took my shot. <laughs> uh, I, guess, I guess to be mean to a current Bills player, Knox. <laughs> yeah, yeah. we don't have to worry about there being a lot of Zay fans that are going to tune out after that. <laughs> I'm going to anger somebody. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
I am team retractable roof. It sounds like you're team retractable roof for the competitive advantage. I put a poll out on Twitter. What do you want for uh, a Bills future stadium design? Had over 800 votes. Um, 57.5% went retractable roof as the number one answer. 33.6% had keep it open, means like the stadium design that they have now. And 9% said dome. So dome is by far the least popular option amongst Bills fans. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. It was interesting just to see where uh, Bills fans stand on that. So they uh, they agree with us. So so yeah, they did well. Moving on. Okay, so they're all right, I guess. I guess they're all right. <coughs> yes, at least 57% <laughs> of them are. At least 50%. The other people are just... Uh, well, the ones that want to keep it open understand our point of view as well. Yeah, exactly. So only those 9% weirdos that wanted a dome. Yeah. For some reason. Just, yeah. <laughs> so um, the last topic that we're going to discuss in this podcast is the issue of vaccinations. And the only reason I bring it up is because, and you know, we're not going to get political into it. It's weird that a vaccine or a virus in general could become political, but it has. And, um, you know, Matthew Fairburn had mentioned, and this was going on throughout the, the press conference with OTAs going on this past week, that Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen, said he's going to keep his vaccination decision to himself. Um, Bill's linebacker, Tremaine Edmonds, said he's also keeping his vaccination decision to himself, said players will have We'll keep having conversations about it internally. And um, this came up in general um, a few weeks ago or months ago or at this point. Kyle Brandt from the Good Morning Football show on NFL Network. Um, he has a podcast called 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt. And he had Josh Allen on. Really? Really what? We're doing this? What do you mean? We're do- I'm just mentioning the background. Go, of why go, this, ahead, go ahead. This is ba- I'm not going to say... I'm not gonna no, get just into- go ahead. We'll we'll get there. <laughs> Kyle Brandt just offhandedly mentioned um, the vaccine, and Josh was played it very uh, politically. Didn't say one way or the other. He's like, I'm still getting information on that. I don't know if he even said for sure. Sh- I think he said he didn't get the vaccine. I don't think he said that. Okay, he said nothing. He just kind of left it up. He in said the air. nothing. He said nothing. So the fact that he said nothing just like six, eight weeks ago, was like the biggest news in Bill's social media because um, people- There was nothing else going on. There's nothing, literally. It was after the draft. Like, let's let's talk about this. And he he didn't come up. The people that were pro-vaccine were like, how could you not endorse it? What is wrong with you? And the people were the anti-vaccine were either applauding it or just like, yeah, that's how I feel. So um, it was an interesting place. So that's why this- this is a continuation of that conversation because Josh is keeping this information to himself. He's not coming out either way, um, pro or anti-vax. Um, so, Nick, I wanted to discuss this with you in particular. I personally think that he's he did the right thing because you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't um, when it comes to this situation, which is kind of sad because yeah, uh, if you if you come out and say I'm absolutely for the vaccine and I and I hope my the players around me get it, then you're ostracizing players within your own locker room that are against it. And not only that, you know, you're you're letting people know exactly where you stand, which kind of like makes a certain amount of the fan base against you for that reason. Um so I think he handled it the best way he could. What what do you what are your thoughts yeah. on that? So I mean and this is this is where things get really complex that uh it, um, you didn't warn me about. So 
we're, we're flying a little bit blind here. So we have to do the, uh, the normal caveat of, I don't care if you get a vaccine. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do <laughs> it or don't do it. Anyone gets vaccine. I personally, I got the champagne of vaccines, the Pfizer. Oh, oh, look at you. Oh, listen, listen, listen to Nick. He's got the, I know just here the trust fund. I got it again. The crystal. The crystal. Oh, anyway. Uh, so I don't care if whatever, do what you want to do. But uh, I think due to the nature of media, due to the nature of fame, due to the nature of the fact that this was even a topic is why I feel like he handled it correctly. Whether he thinks he should or whether he thinks he shouldn't, honestly, he's not going to win no matter what. You're going to have X amount of people this way, X X amount of people that way. So for him, he he non-answered that in the best way that I think he possibly could without making it an issue. Of course, it still became an issue. And it continues to be an issue as we go forward with all the training camps and all the different aspects of things. And we've had some comments that uh, I think Bean said that, you know, he would, he would cut a player if he's not vaxxed yep. uh, or, or that would be in the math of cutting him because getting back to normal is more important to, to that versus, you know, whatever. And then Goodell stepped in and said, no, can't cut a player because they don't have vaccine. But you know, you can always cut a player for not being very good. We don't tell them it's because of vaccine. That's exactly. not here nor there. Exactly. But I think I think the issue comes down to this, which, again, it has nothing to do whether you should or shouldn't get it. You're going to be more competitive as a team if you're able to get back to the way things are normal, where you can all be in a room to be able to look at the film, where you can all be, you know, get into these meetings to where you can do things in a normal fashion as opposed to yelling to someone who's six feet outside through a mask and all the different aspects that they have to go through. Uh, you're going to have a better training camp. You're going to have, you know, better learning of the playbook. You're going to have better interactions with the coaches. And I, and I think that's where, where Bean was talking about is, look, I think a lot of the people, it sounds like, and I don't know if this is true, it sounds like a lot of the people internal to the organization, not the players, are vaccinated to some extent to where they can move about the building without masks and, and have meetings without having to worry about these sorts of things. So if I'm a player and it's going to get me closer to winning a Super Bowl. I don't know. I, I, I kind of feel like it, it's something you go, yeah, maybe I should get this because the alternative is I don't get it. And, uh, you know, mid-November, I catch COVID and I'm out for two weeks. And then I come back in mid-December when we're looking for a playoff run or or whatever. And I'm not at 100% because I'm still recovering from the COVID. Uh, it, it's like maybe I should have gotten the vaccine earlier. and We wouldn't have had to worry about this at all. So from a from a perspective of competitiveness, I wonder what is happening internally from the coaches to the players or from the players in, internally amongst themselves of what they're talking about. What what was the stat that you had about how many players were vaccinated? So there was a rumor uh, that less than 10% of the players had been vaccinated. So that is definitely not confirmed. Um, but there was somebody within the organization or within within Bill's media or content creation that had heard a rumor that less than 10% of the players have been vaccinated, which you mentioned competitive advantage. I mean, there is no greater competitive advantage than doing team meetings in person as opposed to over a Zoom call or you know, the ability to more than likely not get the virus, which could potentially knock you out. Could end your season. Could end, could end your season. Ended Tommy what Sweeney's. What if Josh Allen gets COVID on 
the thanks, you know, the, the week before the Thanksgiving game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which there's like a 95% chance or so that he won't, if he gets a vaccine, uh, potentially, um, I mean, if he gets the, the Bentley, a vaccine like Nick got the Pfizer, like, you know, Pfizer guy over here. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's definitely, it's to me, like you mentioned earlier, you have to use a caveat of like, you do what you have to get it. Don't get it. That's your own personal choice. But I'll tell you what, um, you get you not getting a vaccine is perfectly fine until you get the virus. And then all hell will reign loose over social media, over the actual media. When you said you now that the because last season there was no vaccine available. So you had no excuse. If you got it, a lot of people got it. It wasn't your fault. There's not a lot of ways to stop that, unfortunately. It was the way it was. Now there's ways to prevent it. And if you don't do your best to try to prevent yourself from getting it, now there's going to be some actual finger pointing. Um, I'm sure there was last season, but now the finger pointing is going to be at an all-time high. If, if uh, for example, like Cole Beasley mentioned kind of over Twitter that he's not going to get the vaccine or he questions if he should. Um, not that he's going to do everything in his power to not get COVID, but just may not be the biggest fan of having to get the vaccine a lot of people are skeptical skeptical of it um which i totally get but um that's all well and good have your own decision but as soon as cole beasley gets covid or as soon as people within the locker room of cole if he gets it and like let's say stefan diggs gets it like imagine the the avalanche of hate that cole beasley is going to get unfortunately um, good or bad, like that's how it's going to be. So in my opinion, it's fine. Do whatever you want until it's not fine until you actually get it. Then it's going to be, it's going to be uh, a meltdown of epic proportions, uh, from the bills fan base. But that, and, and that's why I say that when I look at it from, from, I hate saying this over and over because it's so silly from an apolitical perspective, I look at it as a com- competitive advantage. You know, they are, you're at a competitive advantage when you can practice together, work together, not have to worry nonstop about, uh, I mean, I'm licking doorknobs and I'm fine. Like, I mean, there's been some issues, but they're not COVID related. Anyway, I, that's, that's the direction that I'm coming at it from is, is I think it would be better from, from that. We want to win a Super Bowl perspective. Let's do this. It may not necessarily line up with everything I believe, but you know, the, the numbers look good. So let's, let's roll the dice on this in order to make sure that we're not paying the price right before we're, we're looking at playing the chiefs and uh, you know, half the defensive line is out and uh, Mahomes runs all over our asses. Yeah, no kidding. So Brandon Bean on one bills live um, basically had mentioned uh, it would be an, an advantage to cut an unvaccinated player in order to fall under the umbrella of a potential NFL rule. And you mentioned um, if you have X percentage of your players and staff on va- or that are vaccinated, you can live normal. Let's just call it, he said, back to the old days. Um, if you don't, it's going to look more like last year. I hope that if those are the rules, we'll be able to get enough people vaccinated and not have to deal with all the headaches from a year ago. Um, so, I mean, he didn't, like you mentioned earlier, just discussing this, that um, – you don't have to say that you're cutting a person because of COVID, but I'll tell you what, based on that statement and based on the fact that, like you mentioned, it's a competitive advantage and Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott sure as hell know that they want to go back to the old days as opposed to the life that they had a year ago. 
And if you're a person that's almost equal to another person on the roster and you don't have the vaccine and the other person does, I'm guessing we can guess who would uh, who would actually make the team out of those two players, given most things being equal. Yeah. And, and I think I think that's reasonable. And again, I don't care about anyone in the world if they want to get the vaccine or not. Like out there, you do you. But when it comes to the Bills, <laughs> I want them to have every advantage that they can possibly have in, in terms of, of going into this to be safe and be able to continue what they started last year and to be able to you know perform at that high level. I mean, look at, look at Cam Newton. He did not play great when he came back from COVID. Yeah, yeah he did not. Yeah, that's... That's a great point. I I worry like heck that like, you know, Josh Allen or anyone. I mean, if you were to rank the players, this is just a fun little exercise. If you were to rank the players. This isn't fun at all. <laughs> you know, worst case scenario, doomsday scenario, which would be fun. Um, you know, you have Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs, um, you know, the defensive side, Tredavious White. Like these players go down due to COVID and you're talking about a huge chunk of your team being decimated because of that and anything you can do to avoid that would be great. Now, now Nick, I don't know how much you follow on social media, Rachel Bush, Jordan Poyer's uh, wife, but she is completely anti-vaccine, like very, very much. I don't, yeah, I don't follow any of that. Uh, well, okay. I'll tell you and any of the listeners that don't follow her that she's completely, which is well within her right. Um, it's well within my right to not follow her by the way. So like, I don't follow <laughs> like Instagram models in general on Twitter. Like I just, that's, it's just like, I don't know why those two have to exist. It's so funny. Like, um, you want to know what you, your favorite actor, it's like, Oh, I want to know what they really feel like politically. Like, I don't really care. <laughs> you know, it's just, it is what it is, but she's completely anti-vax. So when Cole Beasley came out, she's like, see, I told you guys, told you guys. And who knows how that affects Jordan Poyer's view on the vaccine as well. And you can't just like, if you're Josh Allen and you're in the locker room and you're completely, let's say you're pro-vaccine, I mean, how do you how do you stand there and, and tell everyone that when you know Jordan Poyer's wife is completely against it? It's almost like not insulting him or his wife, but it's kind of like that if you say that it's ridiculous or you... You you take anything away from the statement of 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 what she thinks. If you think like oh, and if you're anti vaxxer you're, you're crazy. Like you're basically insulting the guy's wife by saying that. And I think that's where it comes down to that non-answer of Josh Allen during the interview is the right way to go for him because he's got to dance. He's got to dance the dance and make everybody happy. So I think this. I think the onus of this is on on the coaches. Um, and, and uh, making sure that they educate the, the team. And, and that's what they've shown, just like in normal people uh, that, that are against the vaccines, uh, that education from doctors and, and other people are the way to go. And just like make sure they have access to, to that education. And, and again, they're going to have to make up their own minds. But, uh, you know, me, fingers crossed that competitively they're going to choose to get it so we can win a Super Bowl, uh, not be hindered by any sort of unforeseen outcome that, that that rolls down the pipeline because of it. Yep, exactly. So, um, so we mentioned earlier in the embedded bills embedded, go watch it. It's good. Uh, new stadium for the Buffalo bills. Let's do a retractable roof. I'm giving a summary of this podcast and vaccinations. Um, if it gives the bills a competitive advantage, we're all for it. Um, Nick, is there anything else you wanted to add 
to well, uh, to today's. I just episode. saw something very recently that uh, Josh Allen has the most touchdowns in Orchard Park since 2000. Oh wow! He he took that uh, he took over that honor from Tom Brady, <laughs> which makes me very sad. <laughs> so so has it so it's been since 2000? You said. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's incredible. He's only done it in what three years? Jeez. Only in three years to be the you know the person who plays eight games there a year versus the guy who plays one game <laughs> one there game. a year. Oh my god. So <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that stat made me both happy and really, really sad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was seeing something on Twitter about uh something mentioning Josh Allen and how amazing he is or his projections for next season. And I was thinking you know, Josh Allen is the most exciting young quarterback the Bills have had since 1986 when the Bills actually got Jim Kelly from the USFL to Buffalo. Like, that's insane because... When he finally agreed to come to Buffalo. When he agreed, exactly. You know, like dragging his feet. He basically went like, what is it, dead fish on his way from the USFL to the Buffalo Bills. Because he was drafted to the Bills, and then he went to the USFL not to go to the Bills. Not to go to the Bills. Yeah, he went there for 1983 he was drafted. He was there for 83, 84, 85, or whatever, until the league collapsed. And then he finally came to the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, so... It's a good stat. So if the Bills haven't been, if we haven't been excited as fans since 1986, so 2017, Josh Allen was drafted, um, or 2018, I should say. Um, did Flutie? It, uh, 32 years? 32 years, yeah. Flutie? No, Flutie wasn't young, wasn't a young quarterback. So I, I took him Flutie off the list. exciting. Everyone Oh, he Flutie. was exciting for sure. Just not young. Just not a young I have a, I have a friend who would always vote J.P. Lossman, and I'm ashamed to even mention it <laughs> as you should be as he should be defending jp lawsman no he's not ashamed that's the problem is he is not ashamed and will bring it up to this day about how jp lawsman got a raw deal <laughs> and i go don't ever mention that name to me again <laughs> don't you ever think though with all these quarterbacks that got a raw deal, quote unquote raw deal, and there's a lot of JP Lawsman truthers out there in the Bills fan base still. There may even be some EJ Manuel truthers or whatever. Uh, Peterman. Peterman. Oh yeah, Nathan Peterman truthers. <laughs> um Tyrod Taylor truthers. Oh my God. There's so many of them out there. Um I like Tyrod, so let's you, take it easy. Oh well well I will say this to that. Um, if Tyrod Taylor was actually a franchise quarterback or anything close to it, don't you think in any of his three or four stops since then, he would have proven it? I think he uh, he was what he was, and he was. Well, like, you're, you're trying to throw logic at me, which I don't appreciate. <laughs> it's like how many teams can that guy be a bad quarterback for? Like, not necessarily Tyrod, but like JP Lawsman. Like, it's he went somewhere after the Bills and he didn't succeed. Like. How many, like, if he was that good of a quarterback and he was a future franchise quarterback, wouldn't he have eventually succeeded somewhere? Like, wouldn't he have showed enough promise, like, at some point? You know, uh, there's Johnson. enough chance. Rob Johnson, same thing. So, Peterman, I think, is the one that was like the most amazing in the in the recent history. To which, why well, I like to mention that he's you know record setting. <laughs> oh, he set some records. The most uh, interceptions, I think. Yeah, in within a first half. <laughs> I think it was. Four. That's right. It was the first half. It wasn't even the game. It was the first half. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Now, how do you how do you feel about uh, the the rumors of the post pandemic 
bounce back of the salary cap. Do you think that's going to make some interesting things in the future here as a lot, all the teams have money to spend and money to burn? Oh, yeah. But I think they already assumed that they were going to have that kind of money to spend that it was going to bounce back. But I mean, it's great news. It's great news that it's not going to be like another. It's just like any company, right? Like after, you know, people take pay cuts or they get laid off, right? Like you hope that it's not going to be another year of that. So, Do you think that's why we're kind of dragging our feet on getting Josh Allen under contract is because we know that the salary cap is going to be better going I, forward? Yes, I think that's part of it. I think they wanted to wait till the salary cap was set. I think they wanted to wait until the draft was done. I think that's going to be the next big offseason move is Josh Allen getting extended. And it could happen. I mean, they when did they do Tredavious White? Like in training camp, like last year, the year before or whatever, like they'll it'll happen. At some point, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, how much will it be? How long will it be? Will it be five years with all this money guaranteed? Or will it be 10 years like a Patrick Mahomes? Um, I'm really curious to see how it'll go. But, I mean, either way, they've got to lock this guy up and ensure the future for the Buffalo Bills. What do you yeah, think? there's no question. It just It's just inevitable. It's just be curious how it's all structured and how they do everything. Do you think, do you think Chiefs are still the legitimately biggest issue for the Bills? I think that there's, I think what the Bills last season in the AFC Championship game, I think it just brought up a bunch of different issues that the Bills had had all season, um, from, all the way from from coaching to the ability to protect Josh Allen, from the ability to rush the passer. Um, I think that I think the Chiefs are, if you want to win the division, you have to beat the Chiefs, but the, or you want to win the AFC, you have to beat the Chiefs, but. Um, you know, there are other teams that brought up uh, glaring holes in the Bills game planning as far as like even the Titans, you know. And when you look at at, at all of these opponents the Bills have had issues with, I mean, they're all kind of different. And uh, I mean, <laughs> I think I think the Chiefs are the standard right now in the AFC until the Bills beat them. But while the Bills are focusing on the Kansas City Chiefs, I just hope that they don't lose sight of what's going on around them in the AFC East. I don't, just I take don't that think for granted. they are. I don't think they're losing sight of anything because I, I think I think it's just like they've said every week, you know, we do one week at a time and we're preparing for who, whoever's coming next. And I truly believe that because the game plans are drastically different from, from week to week. Uh, I'm just talking about from a macro perspective. Uh, like, do you feel like the, the Chiefs are still – because honestly, me personally, I just don't feel like – I just don't feel like – Mahomes is going to be as sustainable as people think he is. He he's been chased around a lot, and I think he's going to get chased around a lot more. And I think we're going to really start to see that his magic is going to be good, but it's not going to be 100 percent like it like it has been. So it'll be interesting to see how things go as as teams start to figure out how to play the guy. So this is that's an interesting point, Nick. This is the season where the Bills have to pick up the fifth year option on. Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, which they did for both of them. More importantly, Josh Allen. Um, the Chiefs are a year ahead of the Bills in that respect, right? Of fifth-year option, all the guaranteed money and, and all that stuff um, impacting the salary cap. So I'm of the opinion that you know there's a Super Bowl window for quarterbacks on their rookie contract. Um, that ends for the, the Chiefs this year. And um, there's going to be a one-year gap before it really hits into the Buffalo Bills in a year. And that might be the biggest window that the Bills have to winning the AFC. Because what happens is you get like, like remember how good the Seahawks were when they went to Super two Super Bowls and they won one and almost won the second? 
Like they were that good, right? Um, yeah. They haven't been that good since. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Russell Wilson was on a third round rookie contract and he was making $900,000 a year and they were able to keep Richard Sherman, the Legion of Boom and all these great, amazing players, their offensive line. And then as soon as Russell Wilson got that $30 million a year contract, um, they haven't and been back since. Sierra. <laughs> yeah, that was a good move though. I, I did. I did think that was the right move on, on his part. <laughs> um, so are you saying that you feel like it's uh, this year or next year is kind of our window? Yes. I think that that is our biggest win. I mean, this last year was another part of that big window um, because after that, as you've seen with the Seahawks, like they've, they've been good ever since then, but they haven't gotten back to the Super Bowl. And uh, the, the flaws within a team's ability to draft um, is, is shown that much more when you don't have the cap to – uh, sign these players like the bills are really good at signing these like one one year three million dollar contracts right well if you're doling out 40 plus million dollars a year for josh allen you can't afford those small contracts you have to start hitting on draft picks and the bills haven't done a terrible job in the draft or anything they haven't done a bad job but they just haven't done a really good job um, so they're going to really have to hit on these picks like Cody Ford, like we mentioned earlier um, that Oliver's of the world like these guys got to start stepping up soon and becoming impactful. I think the other interesting aspect too is is the fact that uh, you know the Bills' coaches are in high demand. Mm-hmm. Like all of the teams out there want they want themselves some Dable, yeah. you know they they want some Frazier. Like so, I, I think they get more and more and more demand as things continue to go well. Uh, and what happens when you bring in a completely new offensive coordinator who has a completely different system? Does that derail Josh Allen? Does that derail everybody? Or at least set them, not derail, but set them back. So I think, I I think you're right. I think, honestly, I think it's a little bit more urgent than that because I think we're going to lose some some major coaching continuity within the next year or so. And so you know, this is the, this is the year to where, ideally, they're they're probably going to have have the best setup going in. Yeah, yeah, that window might be somewhat small, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't end there. Obviously, once. Josh Allen gets no, no, no. I, I said the, it at the, the coaching. It's it's a dynasty. Yeah, I said it at the beginning of the podcast, and uh, you know, I, I I believe that in in the, uh, the the cockles of my heart. But uh, but I do feel like this year is kind of one of those years, especially now that we have a training camp. Now that we have the ability, guys get vaccinated so you can practice, <laughs> and uh, you know if they can come into the season just as strong as everyone thinks they are and continue through. I mean, it's. It's a statement. Like, it's a big statement. Can I say this about the coaching staff that you mentioned earlier about coaches possibly leaving like uh, Frazier and Dable? Um, one thing that makes me somewhat optimistic about the fact that the Bills, if they do lose those guys, which obviously we, we wouldn't want because they went 13-3 and with those guys as coordinators. Um, if you're a team that goes far and, you know, you lose a Leslie Frazier or Brian Dable, like you have the ability to get one of those coordinators that was really good as a coordinator, but became a head coach, but sucked as a head coach and then got fired. Like think of like Todd Bowles from the New York Jets. He was a Jets head coach. They He wasn't that good. He ended up getting fired. He became the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive coordinator because he was always good as a coordinator and they win the Super Bowl, right? So like you could potentially become that team you lose Brian Dable. I don't know what the next hot young 
name is as far as offensive. Let, I I know this wouldn't happen. Like let's say Kyle Shanahan gets fired from the 49ers. I know that wouldn't happen. But like you're the Buffalo Bills. I mean, Sean McVay is on his way out. Yeah, let's say coach, exactly. So. <laughs> and that, you know, you get that guy as your offensive coordinator or, you know, defense, you get the next Todd Bowles as your defensive coordinator it ends up being actually better. So I've seen so this is one. Of, this is one of those things that I don't know. I don't know the intricacies and the ins and outs of things to know of what's more important, because we've always talked about with Josh Allen, the continuity. We've talked about the continuity of coaching. You know, Dable's been his coach through the whole time. And his ability to be able to be used in different ways because they learned about each other. They're very close and all these different aspects. So, so where is the benefit of continuity versus the detriment of a new system? I don't know what that differential is. And what if the new system is amazing versus it not being continuity and he's got to learn some new things? Josh Allen's a smart guy, so I'm sure he can. But does that set you back a year? I don't know. I mean, those are, those are things that I, I can't, I can't speak to. No, and 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 we wouldn't know that unless we were in one Bills drive because there's got to be there's got to be a point at which Josh Allen becomes the face of that offense and he's the one telling Brian Dable like I want these plays called and I want and then it doesn't matter who you bring in because it's Josh Allen it's like Peyton Manning right like Peyton Manning it didn't matter who his offensive coordinator was because they would get hired as a coach every other year and because now you're you're, you're talking Tom offense. Brady territory you're talking. Jim Kelly territory. You're talking Peyton Manning territory. So yes, he's not there yet though. No, no, no. But how, how long would it be for him? How long would it take for continuity for him to get, be at least confident to, to bring on almost anyone and make, make it his own system. Josh. I don't know. I think if he loses Dable next year, I think that's problematic. I think it's too soon, but I think two or three years down the line, then I think he would be able to be, handle those things because I think he is—he's so much more confident now, calling the things, calling the audibles, reading the defenses, understanding what the defenses are doing, and being able to call things correctly. So, so yes, I think we're both right. <laughs> well, I—I I thought that was a given. I didn't really even question that. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. So, um, Nick, you—you you brought up some great questions. Do you have anything else, or are we end in this uh, Memorial Day podcast? with uh with a salute i think a salute is a good way to go do you want a quick um story about my dad who is a an ex-marine and uh memorial day story if you will oh yeah that'd be great okay okay if if people are interested in hearing who doesn't want to hear this um so my dad was it's at the end they can, at the end. They, they can, can they can just I mean, delete or skip <laughs> This is our indulgences now. Indul- yeah, it's basically just me talking to you at this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my dad was a Vietnam vet. He was in the Marine Corps. Um, he did two, two, two tours in uh, Vietnam, and uh, he got a Purple Heart. He was injured in battle, and uh, there was a story he told me. Like some guys I know are completely quiet about going to war or whatever. Like they don't talk about anything. My dad told me way too many stories. Like, uh, <laughs> like not like it wasn't gruesome or anything like that. But he told me a lot of different stories about, you know, the things he had seen in battle. He was very uh, forthright and uh, just upfront with what he saw. And one story he had, which reminds me of veteran or Memorial Day specifically, is uh, his best friend in in uh, Vietnam was a man by the name of Frank Langley. And uh, he lived from, he was from Alabama, which my dad was from upstate New York. So it couldn't be complete two polar opposites as far as everything goes and uh, best friends. Um, and there was one mission where Frank was going to be on a helicopter 
on that mission and he was going into a certain area of Vietnam and my dad, he's like, Oh, you know, Bill, I'm going to go to, you know, this area. He's like, I want you to come with me. He's like, it'd make me feel better if you were with me. My dad went, they went to the CO, which is the commanding officer, I believe. And they're like, Hey, you know, I want to go with Frank. Um, we're going on this helicopter mission, this and that. And, uh, the guy's like, Nope. He's like, Bill, I need you here on the ground. I need you doing this operation. I can't have you do it. So he got turned down, and that day that the mission happened, my dad's best friend was shot down in a helicopter and unfortunately lost his life, along with everyone else on board. And I say this because, um, you know, I think about that every time and time again. And we've been to the Vietnam Memorial in D.C., and we've etched his name into, you know, a piece of paper. And, um, and uh, Nick, I know you've been to the memorials in DC. They're absolutely phenomenal. If you haven't been to them, it's really quite one of those things that, that you have to experience because like, it just like kind of puts things into perspective. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, I haven't been there. I haven't been to DC, but I have been to the, the D-Day Memorial. And uh, I mean, all, I mean, it's just like you say, it puts things in perspective. I mean, there's a, there's a certain level of respect that I you can't even express. Uh, I mean, I'm a, this is the wrong word to use. Uh, I'm a fan of the Revolutionary War and, and World War II. Not a fan, but I'm a person who uh, I enjoy learning about and understanding about Revolutionary and uh, World War II specifically and the things that they went through. If, great thing. I do every Memorial weekend. I watch Band of Brothers because it's just takes you a little bit inside of, of hopefully a little bit of something of understanding of, of, of what people have gone through and sacrificed. And like Vietnam is, is one that I'm not as familiar with, but I've heard stories from people who've been there that I can't repeat, but it's just, I would probably, I would probably lose it if I went to the DC uh, monument. Cause just what I've seen from it in video and, and on TV and whatever, I, I think it would be a very impactful impactful thing to go to but like i said i've gone to the d-day memorial and it and that is very impactful as well uh of, of seeing those things so i you know i 100 percent agree that it's it, yeah you just gotta put yourself aside for a minute yeah yeah you realize the sacrifices people have made before you and you just kind of like i mean we forget we get so lost in day in and day out just working you know family life friends um just in general like social media i mean we just get so complacent to the fact that like you know freedom isn't free and and we kind of and i'm kind of reminded of that because you know that uh, there's so many people that fought for us that didn't have families afterwards and you know they didn't pass on things and it was just like it's anyways um my dad tells me that story um i remember hearing it from growing up so um i mean if that if that had happened that was obviously my dad had gone on that mission and that commanding officer had been like that's fine you know okay you guys can go together like i wouldn't be here talking to you and uh just kind of crazy um when you think of it from that standpoint uh, my dad was blown up on a uh on a truck actually so he has bad hearing out of one of his ears because of it um and that could have been the moment too where like you know he you know went from a purple heart to a um a folded up flag you know that's just i don't know yeah. i'm not i'm not trying to get like you know like depressing or anything on this podcast but you know it's it's good to acknowledge that it's good to have some perspective. 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 My uncle, uh, he was in the Korean War, and uh, and he raised his hand and scratched his temple, and his watch stopped the bullet 
No kidding. Are you serious? Wow. So, I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, uh, I I'm a, I grew up a farmer. So my dad was a farmer. My grandfather's a farmer. My great-grandfather's a farmer. And so forth and so on, going back to, you know, 1700s. Uh, so fortunately, nobody had to go to war because farmers don't get drafted. Mm-hmm. Oh, because they have to provide for the food of the country and all those sorts of things. So it was one of those things where my father is very close, but you know, those, those sorts of things kick in. But like I said, it, it's, it's the perspective of understanding of, you know, what are we doing? What do we stand for? And do we understand really what other people have sacrificed to, to, to get us to where we are? Yeah, absolutely. Well put, well put. So on that note, um, hopefully this was a fun conversation for you guys entertaining and also informative that's what we try to go off of for here at the circling the wagons podcast so uh nick it was so good to have you on again again i only do this when it doesn't matter whatsoever so um and during the season noted <laughs> during this during the season i'll have you on again like i did last year at week 17 when the bills were firmly in the playoffs or whatever um actually this year will probably be week 18 because there's 17 games this season uh or maybe a preseason game we'll see we'll see but appreciate you coming on man it's always good to talk to you it's always good talking bills with one of your friends and uh and just kind of uh exchanging perspectives though they may be different or very similar to yours and uh and yeah so signing off for nick go bills And for me, Nate, go Bills. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again soon. Yeah, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the Bills. Who you repping, what's your team? Who you repping, what's your team? You know I'm repping for my team. I got that salad on my team. Like a high Jordan Poyer, can you catch it? Can you? Trade day is like a mask, you're not catching anything. Matt Milano making plays, we not scared of any team. Best in the AFC, all the praise of Brandon Bean. You hear Sean McDermott clapping while I'm snapping? Do you? Jerry Hughes will get the sack soon as you snap it. Andre Roberts running back, ain't no just backing. Mafia, we on a ride and we got traction. We got BZ, we got digs. Dawson Nas with the stiff arm, treat opponents just like his Feliciano, Deion Dawkins, block defenders like the fans Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us I said no one is blocking us on top of our division So it's clear that it's no stopping us Google best team in the league and we popping up Hey, who you repping, what's your team? Who you repping, what's your team? You know I'm repping for my team My guys are selling on my team it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Uh. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, it's the mafia, I said no one on top of us. I said no one is blocking us on top of our division, so it's clear that it's no stopping us. Google best team in the league, and we popping up. Home game for the playoffs, but you already snow. Gabe Davis is a rookie, but he playing like a pro. Uh. Going through a table, only time we ever fold. Can you dig it? 17, by to take us to the bowl. Hey, uh. don't you run it? No. Oliver and Trey Edmonds gonna be on it. on it. We got Corey, but we barely ever punt it. Never. Cause we just running up the score on our opponent. Uh. We got-
got BZ, we got digs. Single Terry, buy the juke of my shoes. Make a miss, run it in. Zach also throw the digs. It's for sick. Terry Johnson, pick six to the house. Take a flick. Hey, it's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. It's the mafia, I'm with the Buffalo Bills. It's the mafia, you know I'm rocking with the bills. Hey, hey, hey. you repping with your team? Thank you for listening to the Circling the Wagons podcast. Download and subscribe to us in your favorite podcast service. Email us at ctwpod at gmail.com. That's Charlie Tango Whiskey Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at ctwpod. And most importantly, go Bills! Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills, mate. <laughs>